The mission of the Bata Shoe Museum is to communicate the central role of footwear in shaping the social and cultural life of humanity. The Bata Shoe Museum's international collection of nearly 15,000 artifacts spans 4,500 years of history. And while our Jewish community does not have a permanent exhibit at this particular museum, footwear has shaped our Jewish social and cultural life as well. Every morning, soon after Moda Ani and Matovu, we turn our attention to Birkut HaShachar, the opening blessings in our blue Sidur Sim Shalom that we used this morning, it's on page 65. And that list of bracha after bracha after bracha, blessing after blessing after blessing was not created at random. They come from the Talmud, from Brachot, page 60, where we read, Ki shama kol tarnagola lema baruch asher natan lasechvi bina lahavchin bein yom uvein laila. Upon hearing the sound of the rooster, one should recite, Blessed are you, God, who gave the heart, the sahvi, understanding to distinguish between day and night. It continues, Ki patach lema baruch pokeach ivrim. Upon opening his eyes, one should recite, Blessed are you, God, who gives sight to the blind. Skipping a few lines, here is one more. In the Aramaic, it is kisayem misane, and the Steinsaltz translates from Aramaic to Hebrew as ka'asher noel et na'alav, lema baruch she'asali kol Upon putting on his shoes, one should recite, Blessed are you, God, who has provided me with all that I need. And the commentary on Safaria adds, as shoes are a basic necessity. So therefore, according to our faith tradition, if you have shoes on your feet, you have all you need. And we recite these blessings every single morning. What else does the Talmud teach us about shoes? Actually, quite a lot. It was enjoyable research for me. But I want to highlight just one brief line. In a tractate called Moed Katan, we read that a mourner is prohibited from wearing shoes. Shoes, especially good leather shoes, are one of the comforts of life. By sitting low and taking off shoes, a mourner's home is transformed into a sacred space. And aside from torn clothing or a ripped black ribbon, many of you also wore slippers or Crocs or maybe just your socks when you sat Shiva. Shoes have been part of our narrative since before the Talmud was crafted. 
In the beginning of Shemot, when God and Moses meet for the first time, we read that God said, Sal ne'alecha me'al raglecha, ki hamakom asher ata omed alav admat kodesh hu. Do not come closer. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you stand is holy ground. While Jews do wear shoes in shul, and some of us might even have special shul shoes or Shabbos shoes, in other faith traditions, people are prohibited from donning footwear in their sacred spaces. If you've ever visited a mosque as a tourist or as part of an interfaith delegation, then you probably needed to remove your shoes upon entry. Actually, let me sharpen what I just said. Jews usually wear shoes in shul, except for one instance, and I see Norman nodding up and down. During the enchanting priestly blessing, during duchaning birkat kohanim, the kohanim remove their shoes before transmitting to the rest of us a bracha from God. And it's such a holy moment. The room, therefore, becomes even holier ground. The kohanim don't wear shoes at that moment, and I just love it. Now, you might be wondering, where is the rabbi going with this? It's Shmini Atzeret. We came for Yisker. She's talking about footwear. Well, as today is Shmini Atzeret, then we're finishing Sukkot. And Sukkot is one of the Shalosh Regalim, the three festivals. In Shmot, we read, Shalosh Regalim, Tachogli Bashana. Three times a year, you shall hold a festival for me. Shalosh pe'amim b'shana yera'ek kozuchorcha el pnei ha'adon Adonai. Three times a year, all of your males shall appear before God. And then later in the Varim, we read, Shalosh pe'amim b'shana yera'ek kozuchorcha et pnei Adonai Elohecha b'makom asher yifchar b'chag ha'matzot, chag ha'shavuot, u'v'chag ha'sukot. Three times a year, on the Feast of Unleavened Bread, Pesach, on the Feast of Weeks, Shavuot, and on the Feast of Booths, Sukkot, all your males shall appear before your God in the place that God will choose. And how did these people get to Jerusalem? They walked. (laughs) And what did they need to walk? their legs, and their feet, and their shoes or their sandals. In addition to three festivals, the Shalosh Regalim can also be translated as the three feet or the three legs. How apt. This name reminds us of the journeys our ancestors took, and so many of them with only their legs and their feet for transportation. Even the Shalosh Regalim themselves have taken on a journey. The festivals were once held for just one day, and now the Yuntavs are observed for two days outside of the land of Israel. 
And over the years, the Shalosh Regalim have become not only a time for gathering and prayer and celebration, but on these last days of the Chagim, the last day of Pesach, today Shmini Atzeret, the second day of Shavuot, the Shalosh Regalim have become a time for remembering, a time, a day of reciting Yizkor. Everyone has a story, a journey, a personal narrative. Some are really long and winded. I started on University Avenue at the Mount Sinai Hospital, spent two decades in Toronto, then went to Jerusalem, then Miami, then LA, then Jerusalem again, then LA again, then Chicago, then New York City, until I made my way back home again, and I'm not even 50. And there were definitely were more shoes along the way than I can count. And so many have been shed and discarded. But a few special ones have traveled with me for decades. For the last few years, I've been co-facilitating a bereavement group at the Shul first with Debbie Berlin and now with Yaakov. And we're gonna start again in one week on Monday night, October 24th. Talk to me or Yaakov after davening if you want more information. Now, since we started these groups, I have amassed a library of books relating to grief. And one that I highly recommend is called The Year of Magical Thinking by Joan Didion, and it's not new. It came out in 2005. What Mrs. Didion experienced, none of us should know from. First, her husband died after nearly 40 years of marriage, and then she lost her 39-year-old daughter, her only child, just 19 months after her husband. There's one quote from that book that has stayed with me. And it is, grief turns out to be a place none of us know until we reach it. As I flipped through the book last week to find that quote, to make sure I had it right, I chanced upon this one. I couldn't give away, I couldn't give away my husband's shoes. I could give away other things, but the shoes? I don't know what it was about the shoes, but a lot of people have mentioned to me that shoes took on more meaning than we generally think they do. Shoes take on more meaning than we generally think they do. Shoes can tell a story. On this morning of remembering, I invite you to think back to your loved ones and the shoes they wore. Was it a parent's work shoe? A child's first pair of shoes? 
fitness shoes of someone that you loved? Were they boat shoes that were only worn at the cottage? Winter galoshes? Slippers? Think of the journeys that your loved ones took. And as best you can, put yourself in their shoes. Where did their shoes take them? What did their shoes say about them? What did their shoes tell us about their values? And if someone were to spend a day in their shoes, what would they experience? On Shmini Atzeret, we do the mitzvah of Atzeret, of assembling and pausing. We assemble and we stand in our shoes or our boots with others who are also pausing in order to remember. And we remember the journeys of our loved ones. Perhaps today, as we recite Yisker, instead of picturing faces in our minds, that we look down and we bring back into our memory dancing feet at a simcha, painted toes on vacation, baby feet, or your loved ones just sitting on a couch or a bench or a chair, lacing up a pair of winter boots. While the Bata Shoe Museum is a physical space, it's full of artifacts and of things, and it's a place to learn, we all carry within us museums full of memory. Or as Joan Didion said, oblivious to what we have in Yisker, I know why we try to keep the dead alive. We try to keep them alive in order to keep them with us. We turn to page six in our booklets. Some of us recall parents who gave us life, who cared for us and nurtured us, and who taught us to take our first steps on our own some of us remember a wife, a husband, or a partner, our friend and our lover, with whom we shared so much of our lives, our failures and achievements, joys and sorrows, intimate secrets. Some of us recall brothers and sisters who matured together with us, sometimes competing with us and sometimes encouraging us on, bound to us by a lifelong relationship. Some of us remember children entrusted to us briefly to whom we gave our loving care 
and from whom we received a trust that enriched our lives. Their memory is always with us. Many of us recall relatives who knew us, teachers who affected us, and beloved friends who walked beside us in life, guiding us, listening to us, supporting us. Our lives are shaped by those who were alongside us as we walked on our path. May our inheritance impel us to strive to live lives of holiness and service, and may memories of love inspire us to love. May painful memories impel us to mitigate the pain that others experience, and may we be granted the strength to affirm life's meanings, even in the face of death. We continue on page nine. 